0: I'm so glad to see you. It is amazing how much warmer a cold day can be with hot coffee and warm friends. Warm friends. And I can already tell we're going to have to make more room next time to figure this thing out. Praise the Lord. Okay, if you got your Bibles or you got your phones, turn to Nehemiah chapter 2. In the middle of the 17th century, England was in turmoil. Uh, King Charles was beheaded. Anglican churches were being closed. Presbyterians were under persecution. And God raised up a man named Sir Robert Shirley. This picture you're looking at, he built a church building during that time. And there is an inscription on one of the walls of that building that reads this. In the year 1654... When all things were throughout this nation either demolished or profaned, Sir Robert Shirley Baronet, founded and built this church, he it is whose singular praise is to have done the best things in the worst times and to have hoped them in the most calamitous. To have done the best things and the worst times. That's pretty close to where we are in our story story in Nehemiah. Jerusalem had been destroyed for some 125 years, and for over a century, the city lay in ruins, the people without hope. And in this setting, God called Nehemiah to the impossible task of rebuilding this capital city while their nation was under bondage. So after four months of grieving and fasting and praying, one miracle after another began to happen. One door opened after another. Namely, Nehemiah, a captive leading Jewish official on the pagan king's court, was granted temporary freedom and all the resources he needed to follow God in this massive task of rebuilding Jerusalem's broken down walls. So, pick up the text if you can see it on the screen behind me. Those of you viewing online, watch this. Verse 11. I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. So, under the cover of nightfall, Nehemiah sets out with a chosen few for, that's the first point, a private observation. They made their way around the captive, the, the, around rather the entire city to see how bad the wall really was around the entire city. With anything needing to be rebuilt in our lives, some time of private observation can be really helpful. And did you notice too that it says, a few trusted people in his inner circle. Y'all, there's something to be said for that. A few trusted people in your lives and whatever God is trying to rebuild. Solomon the wise will say, fools think their own way is right But the wise listen to others. He said in the chapter before, without good direction, people lose their way. The more wise counsel you follow, the better your chances. A private observation with a few can provide perspective and guidance and support that is necessary to move forward. It's admitting that uh, I can't get this done alone. Inviting support from trusted friends enhances wisdom in times of private observation. It can kind of hone down your vision and the message before it's presented out loud. Because what we receive in private is not to remain quiet. What you get from God is to be shared. And there must be a time, that's the next point, of public proclamation, God and Nehemiah would cast a vision. And if you've got your notes or you might want to take a picture of this with your phone or whatever, But I think that there's some real wisdom that we get on this part. Number one, Nehemiah underscored their current situation. Look at the first part of verse 17. You see the trouble we are in? He's saying this to all of the people that were gathered. Jerusalem lies in ruins and the gates have been burned with fire, he says. And then Nehemiah Unveiled what could be possible. That's the middle part of verse 17. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. Kind of sets that vision. And then Nehemiah reminded them that they were not called to live this way. Look at the middle part, the last part of verse 17. And we will no longer be in disgrace. And then, how's this going to happen? Nehemiah unleashes the power. Look at verse 18. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God. There's your power. Of my God on me and what the king had said to me. So these are the doors God is opening and he even influenced Artaxerxes. He even influenced that pagan king. That's when the people started to catch the fire. Do you guys remember witnessing or reading about President Ronald Reagan in the summer of 1987, standing in front of Brandenburg Gate at the Berlin Wall, casting that vision? Some people thought he was so foolish to do that. A part of his speech would read, Mr. Gorbachev, the leader of the Soviet Union of Russia at that time, tear down this wall. And then he concluded his speech by assuring the world, this wall will fall for it cannot withstand faith. It cannot withstand truth. It cannot withstand freedom. Man, that was was a moment. So many people thought he was foolish to go public with that until two and a half years later. And the world watched in astonishment as East Germans and West Germans took pickaxes and sledgehammers and went after that wall and tore it down. There were moments, there were such emotional moments, that Cold War, it was just called over. As impressive as that was, it doesn't hold a candle to what Nehemiah did. You know why? Because it's a lot harder to tear down. I'm sorry, it's a lot harder to build up than it is to tear down. It's much harder to build. Nehemiah went public with his vision. He invited his countrymen to a better future, to endless possibilities. More than anything, he restored hope. He restored hope. But people know this. Anytime we cast a vision, anytime, you must expect opposition. Why? Because every mission from heaven will be met with resistance on imperfect earth. It just happens. It defines the warfare that we're all sucked in the middle of right now. Look at Nehemiah 2.10. When Sambalat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard about this, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. And then opposition continued to grow. We got a new resistor all the way uh, in verse 19, after Nehemiah shares his vision. Look at verse 19. When Sambalah the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed. What is this you are doing? They asked. Are you rebelling against the king? My adult mentor, I've shared this story many times, and I'll share it with you again. So, you know, just some things I have just got to keep doing because they're just on repeat. You need to enjoy it because it's true. Uh, my mentor for so many years was one time slandered by a group of people. and Oh, man, it got under my skin. I wanted him to make that wrong right. I wanted him to say this is wrong. There were, there were lawyers in that other group who said that they were liable of slander. They, they could be charged. I, I wanted it out. And I remember trying to convince my mentor to say something publicly, to make it right. And he looked at me and he said, Jim Bob, he was a big, tall 6'3 guy that wore boots, so he stood about 6'5 normally. He said, what would it look like if on a main intersection in town, there was a chihuahua that started nipping at my heel? What would it look like for me to get down on all fours and, and try to nip that chihuahua's heel? The point was made. Nehemiah knew who was behind this. It was God. What opposition has a chance against the Almighty Creator of the universe? Expect opposition? Yes. Worry about it? Oh no. Oh no. In fact, what you need to do is number four, respond appropriately. Look at the first thing Nehemiah said to the opposition. I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. I wonder what if that made those guys shaking their boots. The God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or in any claim or historic right to it. An appropriate response can be so effective. It can be so diffusing, so empowering. You guys, it can be so relieving. Okay, we're coming up on Valentine's Day. We need, a, we need my, my favorite Valentine example to fit here. Timmy. Timmy was a shy little boy. He came home one day after school and told his mother that he wanted to make a Valentine for everyone in his class. When he said that, her heart sank because she knew how his classmates treated him. She watched the children as they walked home from school. Her Timmy was always a few steps behind everyone. The other kids laughed and talked and hugged on one another, but Timmy was never included. He was always ignored. But. She decided to go along with his wishes, and she purposed the paper and the glue and the colored markers, and for three weeks, night after night, Timmy worked on the 28 valentines for each member in his class. Valentine's Day came, and Timmy was beside himself with excitement. He carefully inserted each valentine into its proper envelope, put them in a bag, and hurried out the front door to school. After he was gone, his mother decided to bake his favorite cookies and have them warm and ready with a nice glass of cold milk when he came from home from school because she knew that he would be coming home disappointed. Maybe the cookies would ease the pain or distract him a little bit. It hurt to think that he wouldn't get many Valentines, maybe, maybe not even receive one. And that afternoon, she had the cookies and milk ready on the table. She sure enough heard the children outside. She looked out the window. And here they came, laughing and having the best time. And as always, Timmy was by himself, all alone, behind the group. She did notice that he seemed like he was walking a a little bit faster than normal, heading straight for home. And noticing his arms were empty, as she had feared, she choked back the tears, fully expecting to start crying when he got to the house. He walked in the door. Uh, Mama has some of your favorite cookies and a glass of milk for you on, on the table. He hardly heard her words. He just marched right on by and she heard him say, not a one, not a single one. And her heart sank and broke for him. Then he repeated it. I didn't forget a one. Not a single one. Every one of my friends got a Valentine in my class. He was he was so focused on what he gave. He didn't even care what he didn't receive. Is that what it is to catch a vision with God? We we move with him. He provides, and he sets a course on what could be, what will be, to rebuild one day. So we realize any opposing force we face, well, they're going against the creator of the universe. By walking with God, it just makes things on earth grow strangely dim.